This morning when I looked at the Word of God and uh, kind of put my title, so you want to change the world. And I think we're all pretty tired of the way our world is right now and we're all wanting to see a change. Well, I want to refer to the Scriptures and what the Scriptures tell us how we can receive a change. And it's a very familiar portion of Scripture. Uh, a lot of us know it by heart. And uh, I want to mention it again because it needs to be more than just knowing it. It needs to be more than just a message to the heart. It needs to be a message that we actually apply and that we actually do. So 2 Chronicles 7, 11 to 16. So Solomon finished the temple of the Lord as well as the royal palace. He completed everything he had planned to do in the construction of the temple and in the palace. And then one night the Lord appeared to Solomon and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this temple as a place for making sacrifices. At times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls, or command grasshoppers to devour your crops, or send plagues among you. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and restore their land. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. For I have chosen this temple and set it apart to be holy, a place where my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it, for it is dear to my heart. And may the Lord add his blessing uh, to his word. Well, this morning I want to share with you how we can change the world as Christians. Not how we can change the world as people or as society, but to change the world as Christians. And I'm sure that as soon as I spoke these words of Scripture, they were very familiar uh, to you. You know them, and you quote them often yourself, and maybe you're even tired of hearing that Scripture. Uh, but what I see when I look at that Scripture is that it's something we all need to be doing. It's not something we just need to know. It's something we need to be doing, because literally following that scriptural text will change our world. Now, I realize a lot of times we... Uh, like to quote scripture, speak scriptures, say things. But if we really want to change our world, there are things that we need to do that uh, a lot of times that we miss as a church. And this scripture kind of reminds us what we as a church or we as Christian people need to be doing to change our world. Now, I realize that COVID has been hard on everyone, really, really hard. I know that people are tired and frustrated and there's just you know, so much uh, going on there, out there in our world. I know as a pastor, uh, you know, the concerns when people are sick or when people are discouraged or people get depressed or marriages are failing or there's other things going on, uh, friendships, uh, uh, families being divided. It's not really good, all the things that are happening out there. And, of course, we all have our opinions, and, of course, our opinions are right because if someone else says something differently, you really hear it, just how bad your opinion might be. And so sometimes it's just better to listen and say, yes, yes, go ahead. Uh, because if you want to you know, have that discourse, it can be quite a discourse at times. And I've seen a few of those online, and that's why I kind of stay off on, on those kinds of things. But, you know, as Christians, there is something we're supposed to be doing. There is something that we're really supposed to be focusing on that will change our world. And that's what we want to do. Now, I noticed that as Christians, you know, we kind of have different opinions too. 
We look at our world and all the opinions that are out there in our world, and yet we find the very same thing among Christians, that we all have different uh, opinions. But more interestingly, on the Christian side, we also like to use a little bit more power to our opinions because we include to say, well, God told me, or I feel God is telling me to do this. So that kind of puts people off a, a little bit there, and you don't want to talk to that person because then if you do say that you have a different opinion, then you're fighting against what they believe that God had told them to do. And so sometimes it can be really confusing when you listen to Christians because even Christians have different opinions and different actions that they think that we should be doing at this time. You know, a verse of Scripture that really spoke to me of late, uh, actually when we were reading the book of John uh, in the new year, I was also reading the book of Luke at the same time. And uh, I came across this passage in Luke eleven thirty five. It says, make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. Now, as I read that, that's a pretty scary verse to me because that's really telling us as Christians, speaking to the religious people Jesus was speaking to at that time, he's telling you need to be careful that just because you may think it is light, it may not be light. And, and so that's something we really need to be aware of and guard ourselves against. Uh, we need to be careful that we don't deceive ourselves and you know, thinking everything that we do has God's approval when it may not. And you can, you know, we could go through history and look at some events of history where people did things in the name of God that had nothing to do with God at all. Now, the only way you're going to protect yourself and keep yourself from error is by submitting your thoughts and your actions, not just to the Holy Spirit, but to the Word of God. You know, to say, well, God is behind me, or I heard from God, I'm, for, I'm sorry, that's not enough. It needs to be backed up by the Word of God. Everything we do as Christians needs to be aligned with God's Word, God's whole Word, because, again, lots of people like to take bits and pieces of God's Word to kind of, you know, to support their view, and we got to take the whole Word of God. And so very, very important. We did a message on that a few weeks back, about the importance of God's Word. Well, it is. It's really, really important. We need to submit ourselves, our thoughts, our opinions, all those things. We need to bring them and submit them to the Word of God. Now, I could go into all kinds of, uh, you know, discourses here of what's happening in our world today, um, things that are happening in Christian circles. Uh, a lot of good things are happening, but there's also some things that are not so good uh, that are happening. And uh, we have all kinds of ideas of how we can make this country better. And so do I. I have some opinions about how to make this country better too. But it's interesting when I start to focus on those kinds of things, I, I really get rebuked by the Holy Spirit. And I just hear the Lord just saying to me, you know, you need to be focusing on what I'm saying, what I'm doing, and what I'm doing in your church and in this area, because that's where you're called to be. And, and so... I listened to that, and I put away some of those other things and some of those political views and opinions that I have. I think they're pretty good myself, but the Lord kind of says, no, you're not to go there at all. And I know we probably all think the very same thing. And uh, now spiritually, there's a lot of things I would rather say spiritually about what we should be doing as Christians. And again, I feel kind of constrained that not to talk about that either. Uh, because, 
you know, there's a lot of things going on in Christian circles right now that are not all that pleasing, really. And we have some opinions and views that, uh, as Christians, that, you know, they're not really lining up with what the Bible has to say. And the Bible is supposed to be our manual for all that we do as Christians. And so that's why I want to bring you back today. What does the Bible say? I, I, I have a really good discourse of what I'd like to tell you about all these things that are happening. Uh, and I had to delete all that. God kind of just spoke to me and said, no, you can't do that. And so uh, we're just going to look at what the Bible has to say because that's what's important. It really is. And I bring you back to these verses of Scripture because they speak so well to what we as Christians need to do, especially when we are experiencing hardships. And these verses really speak to the response that God is looking for from us as Christians. Yes, there can be other things that we can do as well, but these are the crucial things that we need to be doing if we really want to see our world changed. It's what the Bible says. Now, the Bible talks about times that may come upon our world where our world will experience times of testing. And I really believe that we are in such a season where the whole world is being tested. We really are. The whole world is being tested. And we're experiencing hardships. Uh, there's political turmoil. We're seeing natural disasters continue to take place. Strange weather patterns, uh, pestilence, plagues, sickness, financial crisis, wars, general chaos, really. And when those times do come, the Bible says they will come. You will go through those seasons in life. You know, we need to be careful where our focus is. You know, so, so often we just kind of jump in with the rest of the world and focus on what they're focusing. When God often has a different message than what the world may be focusing on. And so we need to be asking ourselves, are we focusing on what the world is telling us to do or are we focusing on what God is telling us to do and how to change our world? And I know that, you know, we're all busy people. Uh, we all have things to do. And sometimes certain things are easier than other things. But I believe God is wanting to draw us back and say, no, this is what's important. This here is what's really important for you as Christians. Not the world, but you as Christians, this is what you are to do and to align yourself to the word of God. So what is spoken in this passage of scripture will change our world from governance to environmental issues to health issues, even to finances. It's not really complicated. It just requires obedience. And that obedience can change your world. And so I want to look at what the Bible says of how God's people, Christians, can change the world. And one of the first things that it says here is that if we're really called by his name, if we're really Christians, then the thing that we need to do is to humble ourselves. That doesn't really, you know, kind of work in us to say, no, I, no, that can't be right because I, I don't want to do that. Well, that's what God says. If you really want to see your world change, humble yourself. You need to start dealing with our opinions, our wants, our desires, our rights, our pride. We need to become aware of our own defects, our own shortcomings, pride that we may have. We need to be careful of allowing those things to rise up and not be conditioned by the word of God because otherwise it can bring deception in our lives. Listen to what the Bible says here in 1 Peter 3, 8-9. It 
says, finally, all of you, talking about Christians, should be of one mind. We need help right there. We can't even get past that part of Scripture without saying we need help right now in our society to be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. That kind of telling us that, you know what, we are going to have different opinions out there, but we need to sympathize, hear one another out. We need to love each other as brothers and sisters. We need to be tender-hearted towards one another. Keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. But we see a lot of that today. One person speaks this, and another person speaks this, and it just goes on and on and on. It says, instead, pay them back with blessing, because that's what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. And I think that's really good for all of us to apply to sympathize with others and what they're going through. Sympathize with others from their point of view, from their perspective. As a pastor, my perspective is much different than what a politician's perspective is going to be because I'm looking after different groups of people than what they are. And your perspective may be different from my perspective. Maybe you're a business person or maybe you're an employee somewhere and your perspective of what's going on may be different than my perspective. But it says we need to sympathize with one another. need to hear their points of view. Consider others above ourselves. And to stay away from insulting one another. And of course, the big one, love one another. If there's anything that the church is called to do, as Christians that we are called to do, is to love one another. Don't allow the enemy to stop you from that one, because that's the most important one. It's all part of really humbling ourselves. You know, and I know rights and all that kind of thing is, you know, we're all up in arms about our rights, and uh, I kind of get up in arms about that too. But, you know, what does Jesus have to say to us? He says in Matthew 16, 24, if any of you wants to be my follower, if any of you want to be a Christian, then you need to give up your own way and take up your cross and follow me. So we need to deny ourselves. The King James Version says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up that cross and follow me. So it's not telling you that, you know, the Christian life is all easy and, uh, you know, no problems or difficulties. No, there's some denying of ourselves, things that we need to give up, set aside that God might be honored. There are some crosses that we're going to have to bear that you're not going to enjoy that. It's not an enjoyable experience to carry a cross, not an enjoyable experience at all. But there are going to be some things where you're going to have to carry a cross through some seasons in your life as you follow Jesus. So those things are important to keep in mind. Humbling ourselves is a willingness to deny ourselves, a willingness to set aside some of our pursuits, our opinions, that we can serve God better. So if we really want to change the world, it's going to require us as Christians to humble ourselves. Now, that probably, if I asked you the question, what do you think we need to do to change the world? That would be probably the last thing that would come to your mind. But yes, yeah, what the Bible says. If my people, if Christian people would humble themselves, they would see a world change. Now, secondly, if we're going to change our world, we as Christians need to pray. That's a pretty obvious one. 2 Corinthians 7, 14 
Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, we need to pray. And let's be honest, as Canadians, we're not doing a very good job in the area of prayer. When we call a prayer meeting in Canada, you get two or three people show up, or you get a very small crowd. It's not really a priority to a lot of Canadians. And because of that, there's no wonder that we have such turmoil in our nation when the Christian people are not seeking the Lord and praying. I know some of the folks that are watching us uh, from other countries of the world, uh, they send me sometimes their, their pictures of what's going on there and the prayer meetings that go on for hours and they do prayer meetings for days and days and days. And uh, when they, a person gets saved, man, they, they go down to the river right away and they baptize them right away. They don't waste any time at all. And we need to learn more of that. We really do. Because in Canada, we really need to get back to that place of prayer as a nation. But you know what? It starts with Christians. Stop looking for the world to smarten up when we as Christians are the ones that need to start changing things and start seeking the Lord and start praying. You know, why do we avoid praying? Well, sometimes it's because we're disappointed that we prayed before and maybe things didn't work out the way we thought they should or we were praying about a situation and something different happened and we kind of, you know, got discouraged or down. Sometimes we're just busy. That's one thing as uh, Canadians, we are busy people. There's just so many activities that we can be involved in and we, that we do get ourselves involved in that there's little time left for God, for prayer, or for anything else, really. And so we really need to be praying as Christians. That's what we're called to do. We're to be praying. We're to be seeking effort in that. And prayer speaks volumes to the world. And prayer also gets God's attention. That's whose attention we really need. Not the world's attention, but God's attention. God says, and Jesus uses these words in Matthew 7, 7, keep on asking and you're going to receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you're going to find. Keep on knocking and that door is going to be open to you. It's really showing us that effort is required. Time is required. And I realize that's one of the things that as, as Christians, Canadian Christians, that's one of the things that we do face because, you know, we've got our world just lined up with so many things to do. And it can be so easy to get distracted and involved in all these things and the blessings that God has given to us here that sometimes we forget the very person that gave us those blessings, God. We need to pray. Prayer is the answer. And even when it comes to our government and I know lots of things are happening in our government right now and, uh, you know, a lot of things that are upsetting. But again, you know what the Bible is telling us to do? It says you need to pray. You need to pray. And I know I can get, uh, when I watch the news, very, very seldom do I watch it because every time I watch it, I get upset. And uh, I have some thoughts. But I got to surrender those thoughts to God and usually I get convicted and God just kind of saying, well, you know what? You better get back, you better start praying. Because that's what I'm asking of you. Your opinion don't really matter, but your prayers do. Your prayers do. First Timothy 2, 1-3 says, I urge you, first of all, pray for all people, 
Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all those who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God, our Savior. So we're to be praying for our government. Right now, our, our government is a mess. And they need Christians to be praying. They really do. And, uh, you know, uh, we all have our thoughts and opinions, mine included. But I'm always being reminded by God, say, you better pray then. You better start praying. He doesn't care about my opinions. He just gets right down to it. You better get to praying for them. You really do. And God is calling us as Christians to pray. But I know, you know, it's a whole lot easier to criticize or rant or give a rave. Way easier. But God says, if only my people would pray. If only my people would take prayer seriously and really seek me, that we could see our world change. You know, maybe that's what the world is waiting to see. That they would see the church praying, weeping, calling out to God for his intervention. You know, it's interesting as you read about revivals, the majority of revivals started because of prayer meetings. And things started to happen at those prayer meetings. And the world started noticing that there's something going on in those meetings. And they started to attend those meetings. And they started getting saved. Maybe the world is waiting for you and I to start seeking the Lord and to be praying. Maybe that's what the world is waiting to see. The church, Christians, taking the opportunity to pray. Then a third way we can change our world according to God is to turn from our wicked ways. Again, verse 7, uh, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, that if my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins and restore their land. I like that. God will restore the land. You know, we have all these formulas how to restore our land, even in our environmental sense. And God does give us an answer even for those things as well. Starts by humbling ourselves. Starts by praying. Starts by turning uh, from our sin. You know, and I know it's always easy to see the sin in your brother's life or your sister's life. Very easy. We're actually experts at doing that. We can see really clearly in other people's lives that oh, that's sin, brother. Like uh, you're missing it there, brother, sister. You know, we, we can do really, really good in that area. But God wants us to be looking for the sin and the shortcomings in our own life. See, if we really want to see our world change, then we need not to be focusing on the world's sin, but we need to focus, first of all, on our own sin. Because that's what changes our world. That's what brings healing to the land. You know, and so much right now of Christianity in North America is really avoiding that. We're excusing our sin and living just like the rest of the world and thinking that we have God's favor when we don't. You know, we get caught up as Christians in the same pursuits of the world. Uh, we end up doing things that are wrong, uh, that are evil. And, you know, we get accused by the world. And I think that's really terrible when the world says, I thought you Christians didn't do that. Ever hear that word? I'm sure you've heard it lots. You might have heard it to yourself where somebody of the world, not a Christian, spoke to you because you were doing something and said to you, I thought you Christians didn't do that. 
That's a hard one. But, you know, we can get caught up in the things of this world. We can get caught up in things where we let our guards down and start doing things that are not pleasing to God at all. See, as Christians, we need to take sin seriously. We need to repent of our sins. We need to change our ways. We are to live different than this world. It is more than just going to church once a while. As the world often catches us on that one as well, because they often say to us, you know, the only difference that I see in you and versus me is that you go to church once in a while. Again, that's a pretty bad statement of the world. We need to live changed lives, turning from our evil ways. People need to see that Jesus makes a difference and he makes a change in our lives. People want to see changed lives. So they don't see a change. Then they would look at us and say, well, what does having Jesus in your life do? Because you're no different than me. We need to be showing people that Jesus makes a difference and that we change our lives. We turn from our sin. 1 Peter 3, 10 to 12 says, For the scripture says, If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. And his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. So if we want to enjoy a good life, a happy life in our world, then we need to turn from those things that are evil, that are wrong, and do that which is right. You know, there's so much toleration of sin. So easy to do. All of us do it at times. It just depends on what area maybe is a temptation to you right now. But often we'll kind of okay that. You know, it's all, not really all that bad because there's always somebody that does or living a whole lot worse than maybe you are. And it's amazing how we can think of those people instead of thinking of all the people who are living godly lives. So we need to learn to deny ourselves, change your ways, give them priority in our lives instead of a back seat or when it's convenient. 2 Timothy 2.19 says, But God's truth stands from firm like a foundation stone with this inscription, The Lord knows those who are His, and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. See, it's not an option. We've kind of conditioned ourselves in our North American Christianity that, you know, that sin is optional now. It's not really all that important. When Jesus is very clear in the whole part of coming to faith in Christ is that we look at our sin, see that we have sinned against God, and that we repent of our sin, which repentance means that you're, you're repenting, you're sorry enough to make a change, that you're going to make a change in your life. So if you want to see the world change, then you need to change. You need to be that person that makes a change in your life. And as they see that change in your life, they're going to start wanting what you have. Testimonies of change change our world. You know, when uh, with full gospel, that was uh, based on men giving their testimonies of how Jesus Christ had changed their life. And what was the effect of that? There was many people that came to faith in Jesus Christ. That's what we need to do. We need to be people that testify of the changes that God is making in us. And as we testify, yeah, you'll probably get some 
jabs from different people. Maybe some of them won't like it, but they're going to be watching you. And as they see that change in you, they're going to realize that they too can change and it can change the world. Your testimony can change the world. Then lastly in this passage shows us that we can change our world by honoring the house of God. Now that may be something that you've never thought of. Most people don't. Most people don't talk about that. But honoring the house of God can change your world. That's what I was talking about here in this passage of Scripture. Verse 16 goes on to say, I've chosen this temple. I've set it apart to be holy, a place where my name is going to be honored forever. And I'm going to watch over it, and it's dear to my heart. And, you know, this whole portion of Scripture is about dedicating a house of worship to God. And, and we see that from this passage of Scripture that it's something that God values. It's important to God that we dedicate these places of worship to be uh, uh, places that will change our world and that will worship God. You know, Christians, we have an obligation to honor the house of God. And sometimes, you know, we don't really think it's all that important. And I know today we've got it really messed up. And, uh, you know, because now we do church in many different ways. And they're all good ways. It's all wonderful. We're glad that uh, we can do church in different ways. But it's very important that we do honor his house, whether it's attending it in person or whether you're joining online, uh, supporting it by participation, uh, financial support, and so forth. It really is important to God. Listen to what God says to the people of God in the book of Haggai, the prophet, as he speaks to God's people. Listen to what he says, and he applies to the house of God. Haggai 1, 4 to 6, he says, why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. You have planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but you're not satisfied. You drink, but you're still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you're putting them in pockets filled with holes. Does not describe some of us at times. You know, we have a lot of other reasons that we convince ourselves in our mind that this is the problem. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's that we've been neglecting God's house, the place of worship. And note that this doesn't just affect Christian people, but because we choose not to honor God's house, it also affects the world. Haggai 1:10 few verses down it says it's because of you God's people that the heavens withhold the dew and the earth produces no crops it's not because of the world and their sin it's because of the sin in the church sin in the Christians lives the earth was suffering because of the response or the lack of response of God's people we're so good at blaming the world for all of our problems I think sometimes God might be trying to get our attention to say, I want you to look at me. And I want you to see that some of those problems are because of you. Book of Malachi, another book that speaks about the importance of the house of God and how it can affect our world. So should people cheat God, Malachi 3, 8 to 12? And yet you've cheated me, but you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You've cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse, 
for your whole nation has been cheating me. He says, bring all the tithes in the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple. And if you do, said the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Listen to what happens, not just to them, but it's going to happen to your world. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's army. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. You know, again, we sometimes don't look at supporting a church as something that's all that important or tithing. But please note that as he was speaking to these Christians, he said, your whole nation is under a curse because you as the people of God haven't done so. That's kind of a scary thing. It's not just us being affected, but our world is being affected. See, what was happening there, they were offering uh, animals to the Lord. You're supposed to give your best to God, not your leftovers to God. So what they started doing was like, uh, well, it requires a lamb to be sacrifice. So they'd bring a blind one. They'd bring a crippled one. They'd bring one that was sick. And they'd sacrifice that instead and keep all their good lambs for themselves. Or they'd start withholding their tithes and their offerings, holding them back, cheating God. But yet at the same time thinking that it didn't matter and that God would bless them. And we need to realize that that can bring judgment not blessing. Not only that, it can affect people around you and your society around you. So honoring God's house is something that's important because it doesn't only affect us, it affects the world. See, the choice is really up to us as Christians, blessings or curses. You jump into the New Testament and you also see that honoring God's house was something that was very important. Jesus showed us that by attending the synagogues uh, on a weekly basis. He uh, had those times in house churches. Uh, he would spend time at the temple to worship. He showed us the importance of giving and tithing, watching people as they gave. You'll remember the story where Jesus was watching people give in the treasury. And there were some that were giving big dollars and, uh, you know, they thought they were really wonderful. And then there was one lady that came in. And she had a very tiny offering. But Jesus took note of that and he said, do you realize that everyone else gave out of their abundance while she gave all that she had? So Jesus pays attention to her giving. It's important to him. You'll also remember the story where Jesus cleanses the temple and he knocks over the money changers' tables because, again, they were disrespecting the house of God. See, Jesus was getting angry, not with the politicians. He was getting angry with all the religious leaders, people that should have known better. See, these money changers, there's actually, if you go to Israel, you'll see outside the Temple Mount that there's these places for these money changers to have, uh, you know, sheep, goats. There was pins that were all around there. And that's where people that lived far away that came to the temple where they could buy a lamb. Or they could, you know, buy a sacrifice, and that's where it was to be placed. But instead, they brought it right up into the temple where people were worshiping God. And so they were hindering people from worshiping God. And so Jesus was in there and 
overturns those tables and tells them, listen, this is to be a place of prayer, a place of prayer, a place of worship. And that's what you know, we need to re- remind ourselves of. The Bible says, uh, Jesus used these words. He said, my temple will be called a house of prayer. That's what it's to be. So we can dishonor that house when we fail to give what's required, when we hinder other people from worshiping God, when we hold funds back from his house, when we treat it as a social club instead of a place of worship and prayer. Pretty serious stuff. If you look at Ananias and Sapphira, the story of them in the Bible and what they did. And they held back their finances. Kind of an old trick of the enemy. Hold back your finances. That's what you need to do. Well, you need to remember that was New Testament and they died. Passion for God's house should consume us. John 2, 17 is what the scripture says. Passion for God's house will consume me. So honoring God's house for Christians, it's important. The world takes note. And when you think back in our history, when every community was built, what did they do? They built a church. They built a church. Every community. You go all around Alberta, you go in some places where you, you find a church and there's, there, there's no people there anymore. Like that place is gone. They've moved away into the bigger towns. But that's what they did. They built churches. It was something that was very important. God honored it. God blessed the world because of that. And now as we come to that place where restrictions are are lifting off, I think it's already a good time to get back to honoring God's house. Now that we're able to come back, there's no restriction in numbers anymore, so we can have as many people as the building can hold. I, I think we need to get back. Because this is important. God's house is important. Because when we honor the house of God, blessings get released. Not just in ourselves, but on our environment, on our government, on our economy, on our land, where the Bible says, where nations will start calling you blessed. I think of that as a nation of Canada. We've often been referred to as a blessed nation throughout many, many years. We're not really too high up there. We're still doing pretty good as far as the rest of the world is concerned. But you realize that this nation was founded on God's principles. It was founded where we said, we will follow the Lord. We even put it on parliament. You can go around there and you have all kinds of scriptures. We're believing God to have reign and rule over this nation from sea to sea. That's what it says. Those are the scriptures that they used. So it's important as Christians, let's get back to honoring the house of God. Want to change the world? Honor the house of God. In closing, I know that sometimes we forget as Christians that we actually can change our world. And we sometimes do a whole bunch of different things that can be helpful, that can be good, and that can help create change. But we need to remind ourselves, you got to go back to the basics first. If you don't include those basics, the other part that you, they, they're just not going to have the same effect as if you did the basics. You know, our, our mission as a church is to reach out and raise up committed followers of Christ. 
Our vision is to include everyone in this Lakeland region and beyond. But it starts by us doing what we are called to do every day, humbling ourselves, praying, turning from our wicked ways, honoring the house of God. And that gives us the testimony that helps our world to see that Jesus does make a difference in our lives and that Jesus is an answer that we should be looking to. And so that's something we need to be looking at as Christians today. Are we drawing people to Christ or are we causing people to walk away from Christ? How are we changing our world? The Bible is pretty clear. You start by humbling yourself. You start by praying. You start by turning from our own wicked ways. It starts by honoring his house. That's what's going to change your world. That's what we as Christians need to do. And maybe you're here or you're watching us online and maybe you don't consider yourself a Christian. Well, I think it's a good time to make that step to become a Christian. Pretty easy. You just simply open up your heart to God. You know, we can say a prayer. Those are all good. I'll, I'll say one for you, but it's from heart to heart. And when you just cry out to God, and you start by acknowledging that he is God, that he's real. And as you acknowledge that he is real, you welcome him into your life and you ask him to come into your life and to forgive you of your sins and to help you to live a life that would be pleasing to him. I encourage you to do that again. But as Christians, I think we need a reminder today. We need to get back to basics. There's a lot of basics. You've been hearing a a lot of preachers out there have been talking about that. We need to get back to some basics. Because you've got to do the basic before you start doing all the other things. And as you do the basics, that's what gets people's attention. That's what can change your world. Because that's where our focus needs to get back to. We're putting our hope in a whole lot of different things. And the Bible says, hope in the Lord. That's where our hope needs to be. Who's going to win the battle? battle is the Lord's. Let's focus on him. He can turn things around like no one else can. And I encourage you, keep looking to him. Keep looking to him. As Christians, let's make sure we're doing what we're called to do. Praying, humbling, turning from our wicked ways, honoring his hopes. Very simple text of scripture. We all probably know it, can quote it, but are we applying it? Because that's what's going to change the world.